This morning, I thought I'd share kind of short this morning. Um, I need a few minutes to put some notes together. I'm sharing in the main meeting this morning. And so thanks for your prayers for this morning. And I'm excited about the message. I, I really feel like the, the Lord wants me to speak on this whole issue of, of uh, this mixture of law and grace. This whole thing about um, the commonly held belief that you've got to put somebody under law before they can be under grace. That you've got to show them the depths of their sinfulness before they can appreciate grace. I think it's error. It's wrong. Unscriptural. And we're going to look at that. So, appreciate your prayers. Because it, it affects how you see the gospel. It affects how you preach the gospel. It affects how people receive the gospel. I mean, it's really, it's huge. And it's widely taught in the church today that you've got to make someone feel like a worm before they can feel like a son of God. But Jesus didn't do that. In fact, that's why they said about him, I'm going to start preaching now, but that's what they said about him. No man ever spoke like this. No man ever spoke like this. And the crowds were drawn to him in a way that the Pharisees got angry about it. You know, the managers of sin were angry about it. So anyway, Lord, we just thank you that you are opening our eyes to your goodness. It is the goodness of God that leads us to change our minds about you and about us. It is the goodness of God that beckons us. Come, you who have no money, come and buy. You who are thirsty, come and drink freely. It is the goodness of God that declares, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man would open this door, God himself would come in and sit down with you and break bread with you. Fear not. Come, all you are heavy laden and burdened. And I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Come unto me. Come. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit now speaks to us. The Holy Spirit teaches us and reveals these things to us. Who can know these things but the Spirit of God who is freely given to us that we might know these things. Thank you, Father, for the peace of God that passes understanding. Amen. I was watching... Um, I was watching uh, Dr. Oz the other day. You ever see that show, Dr. Oz? He's got some good stuff on there. And um, he had this, this uh, nutritionist on there about how to eat good food, healthy food, and that kind of stuff, and how the pharmaceutical companies were kind of opposing him because he was, he's all about you know, staying healthy and being healthy where the drug companies want to sell you know, drugs after the fact and, you know. So anyway, so there's this, this, this battle, I guess, between this whole concept of eating healthy as opposed to just take a pill. 
But what he said was really cool. He said, uh, he said that, uh, that a German philosopher by the name of, I looked it up, I googled it after he said it, but a German philosopher by the name of Arthur Schopenhauer, spelled S-C-H-O-P-E-N-H-E-U-R, I believe, Schopenhauer, German philosopher who, as I read his stuff um, on, online, he must have been a believer because he speaks about the gospel and so forth, lived from 1788 to 1860. He said this about truth. This German philosopher. He said, truth goes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Secondly, it is violently opposed. And thirdly, it is accepted as self-evident. Isn't that cool? And I think that's so true. I think, that's so, I think God gave him wisdom to speak those words because it's so true. You see it in the gospel. You see it in Jesus coming on the scene. You see them first ridiculing him. Like, who is this? Who, what, can, what good can come out of Nazareth? What's he talking about? And then violently opposing it, the truth, opposing him and his message and his truth. And then many accepting it as self-evident. Like, why didn't we see this before? Self-evident. So, and that is exactly, I think, what we're going through right now as we preach the gospel of grace, as God teaches us the gospel more clearly. You know, there was uh, that couple in the book of Acts. um, Was it Apollos and Aquila? Priscilla and Aquila? And... I forget, I should have read that to refresh my memory, but it was someone didn't have the gospel clearly, and so they, was it Paul that showed them the gospel more clearly? They had, oh, that's right, yeah, because all they knew was the baptism of John, at, or at least maybe I'm confusing two scriptures there, but it was, there was a, a group in Acts that didn't have the gospel clear. All they knew was the baptism of John the Baptist, the baptism of John of, of repentance. And they didn't really understand the work of the Messiah and what Jesus had accomplished. And so Paul showed them the gospel more perfectly or shared it more perfectly and cleared up some things. And I think that's what we're in the middle of. I think the, the Spirit of God is it, it's exciting. We're in the middle of the gospel being clarified. I mean, worldwide. In books, on television, in churches, in online, I mean, the Spirit of God is, is really clarifying and removing the leaven of the law in our thinking, in our view of the gospel. And when truth comes, you're going to have people ridicule it and say, you can't teach that, or no, that's not the truth. Or, and then when religion feels threatened, it will violently oppose it. It'll go from merely mocking and scoffing to violently opposing it because then they begin to see what's at stake. A loss of control. Loss of religious power. All those things that come into play. And then, for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, it is accepted by many as self-evident. I love that. Self-evident. Like, wow. And how many of us can say that that, wow, now that I really see what you're saying, 
Why didn't I see this before? You know, it's right there in Scripture, the finished work of Jesus and how, you know, He has removed our sin from us as far as the East is from the West and how He doesn't count our sins against us anymore and that He has actually raised a new creation and given us a new heart. I mean, all these things that the Scripture speaks about, this awesome good news, this awesome thing that is not of man, that is not religious, but it is God Himself working in the earth to reveal who He is. And we say to ourselves, why didn't I see this before? It is self-evident. And it's really self-evident only because of revelation and the Spirit reveals. But once you see it, you see it. And once you see it, you're ruined. (laughs) You're just ruined. Somebody once said uh, that somebody once said that a mind stretched with a new idea never goes back to the same. And it's true. You know, once we get a revelation of what God did in Christ and, and it, our mind, so to speak, is stretched, you can never put it back. You know, it's like, it's just, it's just too big, too wonderful. You, you don't want to go back. That's why Paul was amazed to the Galatians and he says, I am amazed that you're going back to holy days and feast days and all these shadows and things that were pictures of the real. You know, I'm amazed. Who has bewitched you? I mean... You were doing so well. You were running so well in this grace that is in Christ Jesus. You understood. It was as if Christ himself was crucified before your very eyes when I preached to you. You saw it. You saw it. It was like it was before your very eyes. You saw the love of God. You saw the finished work. What happened to you? You know, he said, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? You're going to continue now in the flesh? You're perfected in the flesh? You're going back to law? You're going back to looking for sin in your flesh? You're trying to improve the flesh? You're trying to, what are you doing? That's the Galatian letter. As opposed to seeing who you are, a son, an heir of God, and all those things that Galatians talks about. Um, one of the things I want to share this morning out in the meeting is, is um, this, the whole thing about... It's, it's crucial that we understand the concept of the new creation or we will not preach the gospel properly. And what I mean by that is this. Jesus said this. He said to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus had these questions about him and what he was teaching, he said, Nicodemus, in a a sense he said this, Nicodemus, get this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I'm coming to do something so new, so different, Nicodemus. I'm not saying, Nicodemus, that that which is born of the spirit is now flesh and spirit. I'm coming, Nicodemus, to bring forth a new creation. If we don't see that, the, that what God is after, God is after a new creation. And who can create but God? For God is the one who raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before. And it's like this. I was thinking of an example. It's like this. It's like, you know, when you have your phone and you, you buy a new phone and you buy that little that warranty in case you drop it in water or break it or whatever. And you bring your phone back to the place to get a new phone. Um, when you get that new phone, it's not a new phone. As you know, it's a refurbished phone. They don't give you a new phone. It's a refurbished phone. It's part of the contract. They don't give you a brand new one. And what it is, it's, it's somebody else's phone that broke and that turned, they turned it in just like you turned yours in. And they all go to this big 
manufacturing company somewhere and they all have these broken phones and they're all refurbishing them. They're replacing parts. They're fixing them. They're, they're cleaning them up. They're getting working them again so they can work properly. So when you go to bring your phone back that broke under your contract, you don't get a new phone. You get a refurbished phone. Well, religion and that concept of, of, um, of this mixture of law and grace has at its root thinking that says God is not really creating something new. He is refurbishing. That is the problem. That is the problem. We're thinking the, the Greek word for new creation is not a, uh, a new car in the sense that like a new car is, is made new by new paint and new parts. The word in the Greek is a new entity that never existed before. New species, actually, in the Greek. New species. Never existed before. A new creation raised in Christ. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, Jesus said. It's a whole new entity. And, and this is, to me, saints, this is so key. See, if you, believe, if you see, and, and those who see the Christian life really more as a, a refurbishing of the person, as opposed to a new person, they will say things like, we're just sinners saved by grace. They see themselves as still really in the flesh. Though their lips may honor him, their heart is far from him in terms of he, they will say the right things, but there's a lack of revelation in their heart as to the new creation. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And that's key. Because you don't have to know all about that phone that's not working. Just use the new phone. See, God doesn't give you a refurbished phone. He gives you a brand new iPhone. 4G. No. iPhone. A brand new iPhone. The best of the best. With all the apps. Why are you looking at the old phone trying to figure out why it's not working when God is saying, why don't you explore the new phone? Look at all the new apps I have for you. Look at everything. Oh my God. That's the concept. See, this thing about Looking into your flesh to find all manner of sin and depravity so you can improve and become more Christ-like is a trap. It is, it, is, it is not truth. Paul says, no good thing dwells in my flesh. He goes, I'm not looking for any good thing in my flesh and I'm not trying to improve my flesh. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, this new reality, this new creation. Instead of us trying to explore all the evil in our flesh, God wants us to explore all the good that is in the new you. I mean, we, there is, behold the riches. We have been created new, the scripture says, after the image of the one who was raised from the dead. We have been created in his image. He wants us to explore who you really are in him. It's awesome. The unfolding revelation of who we are in Him. Sons and daughters of God. And it's full of life. Life and peace. Oh my God. Look at Him. Oh my God. Look at me. Oh, look at Him. Oh, look at me. Look at Him. Look at me. 
We're like looking in a mirror. As we see Him, we see ourselves. Oh my God, look at Him. Look at me. Oh my God, He's righteous. Oh my God, I'm righteous. Oh my God, look, He's a Son of God, the Son of God. Oh, look at me, I'm a Son of God. You see what I'm saying? It's awesome. Look, He's an heir of God. Oh, look at me, I'm a joint heir with Him. Oh my God, look at Him. He's, He's one with the Father. Look at me, I'm one with the Father through Him. Look at Him. Look at me. Look at Him. Look at me. That's it. That's the Christian life. And that is a whole lot better than look at me. In the flesh. So far from the holiness of God. Such a worm. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But God, you're so holy, so far, high and great. No man can approach you and no man can even get close to you, but I'm mere, a mere worm and I just, oh, teach me how to stop sinning and, you know, whatever. That's not the gospel. He has brought us up. He has brought us through His own hand that we might sit with Him in heavenly places. It does not honor God to see yourself as a worm. It does not honor the work of the Son of God. It blesses God. Joseph Prince said this in one of his devotionals a while back. Joseph Prince, he's right on. He said, it honors God for you to boast that you are righteous because of Christ. Because the Son's work is honored. He will travail, the Scripture says, on that tree in suffering and death. He will see the result of His death and be satisfied. And you bring joy to His heart. And I bring joy to His heart when I say, Lord, thank You that You have made me righteous by Your own blood. That is what blesses God. Not this other stuff. That's religion. And that is what is happening in the, in the earth today, this unfolding of the simplicity of Christ. If I could summarize what the gospel is, and this is not, a, you know, you can't say everything, but if I had to just put it concisely, I would say the gospel, or the good news, is the incredible good news that God is no longer counting our sins against us. And that he has created a new person. All possible through the death and resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel. God is no longer counting my sins against me. That's the death of Jesus. Behold, I remember your sins no more. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. And where there is no law, sin is not imputed. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. And he has raised from the dead, creating a new, a new creation, a new person. I'm actually a new person in him. His resurrection. Life has come. I can live on earth the rest of my life with this unfolding discovery of Him and who I am in Him. And what happens in this, the way the new creation is made, it's made, it's, it's, it's hardwired. The new creation is hardwired in such a way that He is the life of the new creation. 
So what happens as the new creation, the journey, you don't, religion will take you on a journey that you, and they will boast in this even. They'll say, the longer you walk with God, the more you're aware of your sinfulness, and the more you're aware of His high, high holiness. And that's good because that will keep you humble and, and so forth. That's not true. That's not the truth. And that does not honor God. The truth is, when you are walking with God, the journey with Him, what happens is, the more you walk with God, with the, the right understanding of the finished work of Christ, you become more and more aware of, number one, of His great love for you. Number one, awesome, oh my God, awesome grace. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. He has lavished His grace upon us in Christ. There's a growing awareness of this incredible, unconditional love that is your bed you sleep on. It is the road you walk on. It is the sky you live under. It is awesome, unconditional love that is there for you. It is, he is there for you. The second thing that you learn is that there's a growing, growing sense of dependency. Great dependency. The, the new creation is hardwired in a way that apart from Him, we can do nothing. We're branches on the vine. We can do nothing. And that's a joyful thing. The burden is off. It's awesome. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm yoked up to the Father. I'm yoked up to another. My Father does all the works. My Father speaks all the words. The Son can do nothing of Himself. As I live by the Father, you shall live by me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart. It's the posture the new creation takes of meekness and lowliness of heart that I can do nothing without you, Lord. You're awesome. You're with me always, always, even to the end of the world. And then He lives through us, growing, growing dependency, growing dependency. Without Him, we can do nothing. And we find ourselves doing all things through Christ. Awesome. What a joy that is. And no flesh can glory in His presence and say, oh, look what I did. No, it's just you know. You know. Without Him, I'd be a mess. Without Him, I'd be in the gutter. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I could accomplish nothing. Without Him, I would bear no fruit that remains. Oh, I might be able to work up a few good works and, you know, start an organization to help the poor, give my body to be burned or whatever. Matters nothing if it's not Him doing it through us. Fruit that remains from generation to generation to generation. It's awesome. So, I'm excited. First, truth is ridiculed. And then it is violently opposed. And then it is accepted as self-evident. And we are, we are really seeing a lot of acceptance of the truth. 20 years ago, what we're preaching in this little fellowship would have been really violently opposed. And it was 20 years ago. And now, you can point to 10 books. You can point to 50 churches, two or three television programs that are saying the same thing. And people are hearing. But it's a, it's a battle. It's a battle. One of the thoughts I had coming here this morning was to encourage us all to not be afraid of being ridiculed for the gospel or opposed. Truth 
is like that. If we seek the pleasure of men, if we seek man's to please men, if we seek man's favor, if we seek the world's pat on the back, we will collapse under the pressure of that opposition. But if we really see, we don't care whether we get the praise of men or the curses of men. None of these things move us because we see Him. We are willing to suffer outside the gate. We are willing to suffer outside the gate. We are more than willing to be identified with Him without fear because we know Him. And Jesus said, you know, if they hated me, they'll hate you. He said, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this ahead of time so that when it happens, you won't be offended. They will come after you. I'm sending you forth as lambs among wolves. I'm going to tell you like it is, he said. But be of good cheer, for I'm with you. Take no thought what you'll say when they bring you before men to explain yourself. For in that hour, my Father shall give you words to say in that very hour. And they will not be able to resist the spirit and the wisdom by which you speak. It's awesome. He prepared his sheep. He said, they're coming after you. I send you forth as sheep among wolves, but don't be afraid. I am with you. As I was with David against Goliath, I am with you. You may be under some pressure because people are saying to you, well, that's just easy believism, what you're believing. That's just sloppy agape. That's just whatever they say. Or you may have some opposition that's very well thought out theological arguments that make you wonder. Just remember the simplicity of Christ. Remember that as He is, so are you in the world now. Awesome. Self-evident. It is self-evident. So, Anyway, I just want to do a short thing this morning. I'm going to go write a few more notes down for this morning, but I just want to encourage you that truth is always ridiculed. For, I like that, that philosopher's philosophy. Truth is ridiculed at first, then it's violently opposed, and then it is accepted as self-evident. And um, for us not to lose heart when we face opposition. If you didn't face opposition from religion, then I'd be worried. Because if religion that believes this accepts what, what, what you're teaching, then there's something wrong. So it's, it's, it's going to happen that when you see the gospel as it really is the good news. Think about it, saints. That's mind-blowing. The gospel is God is no longer counting my sins against me. In fact, he's made me righteous. That's right. And he hasn't just left me there as a forgiven lump of flesh, but he's raised a new creation, That's right. a new person. <coughs> and he wants me to explore who he is so I can see who I am in him. That's where true fellowship is. It's awesome the wisdom of God, the power of God. It will set people free.
It will take their eyes off themselves. It will take their eyes off themselves. That's why they said of Jesus, no man ever spoke like this. No man ever spoke like this. Because all the prophets pointed us to our sin. All the prophets pointed us to a holy God and sinful man and judgment. All the prophets. No one ever spoke like this. In fact, when we were going to Samaria and they rejected Jesus on our way to Samaria, we just thought, hey, Elijah called fire down from heaven. That's what we do. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven? Like Elijah did, like the prophets did, because that's scripture. That's the prophets. And Jesus said, no, a new day has come. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men. You You do not know what spirit you are of yet. You do not know my Father. We'll go around. And they went around. They rejected him. He didn't call fire down like Elijah did. God honored Elijah because that was another covenant. But behold, a new thing has come. Consider not the things of old. The Lord himself is here to begin a new thing. An entirely new creation. Blessed are the eyes that see this. This is what it means when he says, you're trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye and you have a log in your own eye, Pharisee. What is the log, Pharisee? The log, Pharisee, is that you do not see what God is doing. The next thing he said to the Pharisee was this. He said, make the tree good and it will bear good fruit, Pharisee. Make the tree good. Of course, the Pharisee cannot do that. Only God can do that. That's what he was after. That's what he was doing. He was going to make the tree good. If you get this log out of your eye, Pharisee, you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye because you will lead them to me. And what I look at as a, a mere speck, sin is nothing for the Son of God. You will see And you will help your brother see clearly because you will have the log out of your own eye. Instead of trying to refurbish a phone, you will give him a new one. You will see God's work. And the speck will be out because the speck's not a problem. What's a problem is your vision, Pharisee, of the way you see people and the way God sees people and what God is doing and what he's after. Isn't that awesome? That's what he means. That's what he meant. And religion has a log in its eye trying to take specks out of people's eyes and they're gouging their eyes out. But when you see the real issue, you go, wow, oh God, wow. Then you can say to a woman at the well, oh, you've got, I know, you've got all these five divorces and you're living with someone now that's not your husband and you've got all these issues. You're out here at the noonday getting water because you're rejected because your people look down on you. You've got so many issues. Your life is a mess. But... You know, it's not about you. Don't worry about that. That's not the issue. If you only knew who he was. If you only knew who he was, he would give you water and you would never thirst again. You would be a good tree. And you would bear much fruit. It's not about being refurbished. It's not about improving the flesh. It's not about working on yourself. It's about a revelation of a work 
that only God can do. Did I not say, Jesus said, that if you would only believe, you would see the glory of God. What only God can do. Lazarus, come forth. The glory of God being God. God raises the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. And only God can do that. That no flesh would glory in His presence. This is what brings the Son joy. Do you feel His joy? The Son is smiling. The Son is going, yes. He died not in vain to bring us complete forgiveness. Behold, this day I have begotten God when He was raised from the dead. A new creation. Shall a nation be born in a day? Yes, in Him. A holy nation. A royal priesthood in a day. Through Him. Lord, we just thank you for this reality. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the truth of the new creation. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's the third thing I forgot to say. It's, it's awareness of your love. It's awareness of our dependency. And it's an incredible, growing gratefulness that we're thankful all the time. Thankful all the time. Thank you, God. Awesome, awesome, awesome. This is our journey. We walk with you. You walk with us. Lo, I'm with you always. I'm with you all the days. Even until the end of the world. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Lord, help me speak in the next meeting with the Spirit of God, with clarity. And help me, Lord, to be at peace and speak at rest. Bless your people. Bless the saints. In Jesus' name, thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Amen.